Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer, soccer mommy, super fan, and Miles Bridges' mortal enemy, Rohan Notgurney. Uh, Rohan, we have a lot to cover today. The NBA is on fire in a wonderful way. But as you know, we sometimes like to veer off the main road on this show. And in that spirit, I want to start by reading a relatively random tweet from Slate's Sam Adams. It really sparked some wonderful conversations and dialogue on Twitter yesterday, which is obviously the place to have wonderful conversations and dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, At least until the metaverse starts. Of course. Yeah. How can we forget? (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) But the question was, what's a movie that messed you up as a kid, not just scared you, but actually left a mark? So, Rohan, uh, uh, the floor is yours. So, Mike, I think you could agree growing up, there was basically nobody in the world who could beat up your dad. Like you would take your dad over literally anybody in a fight. Like when I was, you know, six years old, like I was like, yeah, my dad will beat up literally anyone in this room right now with his dad's strength. I felt that way until I saw the Terminator and Terminator two. And then I was like, these Terminators just live amongst us. And if they target my dad, what is my dad going to do? There's nothing he could do against either the old model or the T-1000, okay? He's not equipped to fight liquid metal. He's an immigrant, all right? Um, the the <laughs> Terminator 2 was uh. so scary, and I don't know what my dad was doing letting me watch it when I was like six or seven years old, that literally like, Every night, I could not sleep. I had to sleep in my parents' room because I was like, this was simply too deeply disturbing 
the Terminators are living among us, and we don't know uh, because their their skeletons, they're you know, are just covered in human flesh, so they look like the rest of us. How do I know there's not a Terminator in my neighborhood right now? Um, <laughs> that movie just deeply, deeply messed me up. Not to mention in the second one, there's just like a scene of a nuclear attack. Oh, this um, that yeah. that was. Yeah. I'll agree with that. That scene right there, I was like, oh, so I'm not going to make it to 18. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Exactly. I was like, oh, I guess I'll just be <laughs> at a park one day uh, until I'm incinerated watching my daughter just play on a swing. Uh, yeah, the, I would say the the two Terminator movies. I like my dad was like, oh, you'll love this, and like we watched them like not far apart. Um, there's also a Terminator ride at Universal Studios. Uh-huh. And, you know, so my parents uh, took me and my brother to Universal when we were young. And, like, Terminator, it's like a 3D ride. And there's, like, Terminators that pop up in the like on the side of the audience. And I'm like, this is terrifying. Who wants this? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the Terminator movies hold a special place in my heart. That was a, that's a wonderful answer. So did you lose Thank respect you. for your father after you saw these movies? Was that like the the the, no, the, the no, crux no, no, no. of the tra- being traumatic tra- I, being I, traumatized? I can't even speak. I'm just... I just I just it ga- I I gained a healthy respect for robots for the future okay. for artificial yes. intelligence. Absolutely. Um, that's why when you know they do these little like oh like Boston created another like whatever university it's like we created another like dog that will buy your groceries for you i'm like stop mit gang gang right now yeah i'm like stop this right now have you not (laughs) seen literally one sci-fi movie this never ends well uh yes i agree they gotta stop making those robot dogs they're not they're not good for anybody yeah we don't need them uh so i think like literally cops also i think some of them are literally cops yeah i think they're some of them are to uh, like detonate bombs so that people don't die. So that's that's a that's a good thing. I think. Or just oh, what, sniff usually, out the bombs. You're detonating a bomb, someone's dying. Sure. Okay. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bring, which brings us to the Hurt Locker, my movie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, my, I so I tweeted this yesterday. Uh, my number one easily movie that messed me up the most was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's not even close. It's it's honestly sick that that movie was ever made, <laughs> and I stand by that to this day. Christopher Lloyd um, ruined for me as a human being to this to this moment in time. I am petrified of him. Uh, Back to the Future ruined. Couldn't see it because of him. Uh, just so so scared. Have you seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I have Rohan? not. I have not. Oh I was going to say you, you just you can go ahead and spoil it. I didn't realize it was meant to be. It's it's traumatizing. It's, it, it, it is truly it's evil honestly that they made they mix real people with cartoons and they have them interact and it's like a murder mystery kidnap situation and there's a lot of violence and i uh i can't even i'm like thinking about certain scenes people were tweeting me uh gifts from the movie and i have not seen the movie in like 15 20 years and I, it was bringing back some some tough times honestly in okay. my childhood okay long sleepless nights so that one is is really etched in my memory and just immediately came to mind. Uh, real quick, Jaws, 
Uh, uh, Jaws, the Jaws ride, another one at Universal that I just sit on my mom's lap for. Oh, I couldn't yeah. go on the Jaws ride. Oh I was I was avoiding baths. I was avoiding yeah. showers, swimming <laughs> pools to this day. Can't close my eyes. Uh, and then last, Dangerous Minds. Um, saw that when I was pretty young, and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, obviously uh, Coolio on the soundtrack, <laughs> uh, made me afraid of going to high school. And I would think about you know getting killed. Um, okay. In a high school classroom, and that's obviously not aged well in a lot of different ways. But, uh, but yeah, that that movie really messed me up for sure. Um, I have a million others that we don't need to. Can I tell you? Uh, can I tell you a brief real life horror story? I know we got to get to basketball, but I got to tell you sure. a brief that happened to me last night. Yes, not even oh, last yes. night, a few hours ago. Okay. So you you made a, a joke at the top of this podcast that I'm a huge soccer mommy fan. This is what happened to me last night. I'm an old man, okay? I, to me, like, tomorrow starts at, like, 7 p.m., okay? That's what I'm already thinking about the next day. I got to get prepared. I got to get my body right to pod in the morning, et cetera. Are you, so, you, are you Chris Herring old or are you <laughs> I'm just person? spiritually. I'm just spiritually old. Okay, um, I feel you. I get a text, you know, yesterday evening, uh, hey, uh, do you want to go to the soccer mommy concert with me tonight my friend just bailed and i'm like what time does the show start and they're like i probably won't pick you up until 9 30 i'm like well okay you know i get to watch all the basketball games everything will end early here on the west coast um but you know 9 30 is a little late to start a concert if you ask me but what am i doing you know it's post pandemic etc i just got my booster why why am i turning this down so i say yeah sure i'll go I ended up, this concert doesn't end up starting until 1030. That's when we get to the venue. Um, she plays for an hour and a half. It's great. It's like, I get home. It's a little bit after midnight, right? You're not going to go home and just go to sleep right after a concert. You know, I'm flipping around, watching some TV. So it's now it's like 1 a.m. and I'm really hungry, okay? And I know I have nothing. I just have no groceries. I have no snacks, nothing in my apartment that's going to satiate me at this point. But I'm like, let me give the kitchen a once over anyway, right? So, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm doing a cursory check, the pantry, the fridge, etc. There's nothing. There's no snacks, nothing, okay? I open this one cupboard in my, uh, in my apartment. Now, this is on me, okay? But I had totally forgotten one day. I was, for some reason, I was clearing up. I, I just... This is gonna. This is gross. I, I apologize. This is gross. But I'd stuck like an old open jar of tomato sauce in a cupboard, like months ago, Mike. That I had just completely forgotten about. Okay. So I got some old tomato sauce in this cupboard. All right, it's old. I, I don't even. Want, I can't. I, I'm not gonna open this thing and look inside. God knows what's growing in there. And I'm like, let me throw this out. I'm going to throw it out. And in the four feet, not even, maybe three feet, I don't know how small this area is, between the cupboard and my trash can, it's it's after 1 a.m. I dropped this jar of old tomato sauce on the floor oh of my, my kitchen. God. And now there is just glass and like old gross tomato sauce everywhere. It's like all over my socks. It's like it's like splattered, like it's a crime scene. And oh man. You try cleaning up like borderline moldy tomato sauce at one fifteen, and trying not to like pick up the trying to pick up the glass as you go. 
absolutely awful. Just nothing good happens when you leave your apartment late at night. I should have just been in bed by 10 p.m. last night. This is what happens when I try to do something. The next time I ask for a raise, um, me trying to transition from the story you just told to <laughs> the NBA on this podcast will be brought up as Exhibit A as why I qualify. There we go. Uh, yeah, but that was a wonderful, totally disgusting story, Rohan. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Um, moving on to basketball. In today's show, we're going to open up the mailbag. We're going to talk about some early season trends, the Cavaliers, the Suns, and so much more. But first, a quick reminder to all of our wonderful listeners to please keep the emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Would love now, to hear about any sauce-related disasters. Sure, yes. Yeah. Please, everyone, share all of those disgusting stories, <laughs> and I will forward them to Rohan's personal email address. He will print them out and uh, <laughs> tack them to his bedroom wall. Uh, okay, now, Rohan, last night's games were great. We had Joakim Noah and all of his old friends at the United Center. I was particularly pleased to see Omir Ashik. I love Omir Ashik. Um so dearly. Uh, the Grizzlies and the Warriors had a play-in rematch that went to overtime. It was awesome. Great game. So tell me something interesting that you noticed while watching it all. Just whatever stands out to you. I mean, there were some really good games last night, Mike. I don't know how you could neglect uh, Bing Bong. The Knicks pulling off a pretty impressive win in Chicago. Uh, I-, I think there's a couple things. Um, you know, I wrote a story today it was called the first week all nba team you know uh-huh. and it was the five guys who i who have been the most impressive i think at the start of the season john morant was on there uh, he's been so good to the point where i'm wondering if the grizzlies kind of need to alter their timeline and in, in what they are like he's a top 15 player right now could he be a top 10 player right now? Like, how good is John Morant? What is he ceiling? And how do the Grizzlies kind of adjust what they want to do? Because they have a talented roster. I, I think we we want Jaron Jackson Jr. to be great. But, you know, what are they going to do to kind of take that next step from cute playoff team to kind of, you know, they're threatening to go deep in the playoffs every year. I, I thought that was really interesting. And I got to say, you know, the Knicks almost blew that game at the end. Uh, they had a, you know, they had an 11-point lead, I think, with under two minutes to go. And I was like, okay, I'm flipping off this game. You know, it's over. Then I see everyone tweeting, whoa, the Bulls are within three. They get within one point. At the same time, that's a really impressive win for the Knicks. Uh, I, I know that, like, maybe people are still unsure just how good them and the Bulls really are, you know, who they've played, et cetera. I mean that's a that's a nice road win to get against a hot conference opponent that was undefeated entering that game, and yeah, I've just been impressed with the Knicks in general so far. I think the offseason moves they've made have helped a lot. Uh, their their outside shooting has improved so much from last season. You know, signing guys like Kemba and Evan Forty has helped a lot. I just yeah, I find myself really impressed with the Knicks. Um, I, I still don't know that they're a high ceiling team, but I think we see the floor is really high. and They just have a lot of guys who can play. Uh, so that was kind of what I was thinking after last night was, uh, yeah, I, I the Grizzlies, I, I think 
need to be taken a little bit more seriously. They need to maybe need to accelerate things. And I think the Knicks are, are picking up right where they left off last regular season. Yeah, I'll start with the Knicks Bulls game. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Julius Randle continues to like even when he doesn't have the shot falling, he just is so his passing might be one of the most underrated skills right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in the league and he gets he gets sloppy sometimes but the way he reads the floor um, when doubled and it was really interesting because the Bulls went small last night and they were mm-hmm. throwing Caruso on him as a primary defender yeah, Caruso Lonzo Lonzo was on him right? and once, and, yeah once Patrick Williams got hurt too they were really in a bind I like those Bulls lineups but I mean yeah they were throwing those doubles at Randall and the next threes were just, I mean Fournier was eating yeah I mean I think that um, the Bulls will even when Patrick Williams is healthy, they'll they'll probably downsize a little bit and put mm-hmm. Caruso in the game for him. But it was just really interesting to see them them pressure him and him respond the way that he did, even though it wasn't a big scoring night, and he missed those two free throws at the end. But getting pretty granular here, I wanted to talk to you about the last play of the game, which I found to be very fascinating. Yes, yes. So. Zach Levine inbounds it to DeMar DeRozan on the sideline Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, zips around for a a dribble handoff. Um, DeRozan, I don't know what exactly the play was, uh, uh, what the play was calling for. I'm assuming it was a read reaction situation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, DeRozan obviously had the option to keep the ball, which he did. But... Even in real time, just the, the 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 leverage that it looked like Levine had on his man, and the confusion that the Knicks were kind of trying to—they were scrambling a little bit. They didn't know if they should switch, etc. I th- I was like, oh my god, if they if he just like they have them where they want them, just like flip it to Levine, and he's going to have an open jumper, and like good night. That's probably going to be the game. And instead, DeRozan keeps it, turns around, tries to pump his man in the air. His man is perfect. Just guarding RJ him perfectly. Barrett, yeah, RJ Barrett played outstanding yeah, defense down, on that position. Yeah, stayed down, didn't foul, uh, and DeRozan airballs, and the Bulls lose. And this is just one play, and this is very early in their relationship, mm-hmm. DeRozan and Levine. But I just thought it was fascinating because, uh, you know, these are the two alphas, yeah. uh, the alpha scorers on this team, and how they interact is critical, especially in crunch time for Chicago's season. What did did, did did, am I making too much of this play? No, or? I, I, love, I love that you brought this up because I have a few thoughts. First of all, I think our colleague Chris Herring made a great point. He tweeted right for this play. DeRozan goes too fast on that play, I think, to begin with. like He he looked a little bit excited. I mean, I get it, right? It's early in the season. You guys have this comeback. Like He doesn't sell the handoff at all. It's like a very bad play-action fake. Um, like He's just moving too quickly there. I don't love that play – in the sense that they kind of invited the switch by running a dribble handoff with two wing players. Like Mm -hmm. the Knicks are, you know, every team is always going to switch that that late in the game. And then on top of that, you're running it with RJ Barrett, who's the Knicks best wing defender. So now you're just inviting the Knicks best defender to switch on a DeRozan. I didn't love that aspect of it. Especially when you have like a really like, great shooting like three level scoring big in Vooch um and you're gonna run that type of play I, I mean may, maybe it's not his bread and butter etc but you know if you have time to 
install that plan. I, I'd rather see run that with Vooch and Levine. Um, in, instead, they had Vooch kind of cutting to the corner. I, I think uh, they mentioned this on the Bulls broadcast, actually. You know, the Vooch move, moving along the baseline, he cuts to the corner on the same side of the court DeRozan is. That right, kind of invites some more help. Yeah. So, I, no, I, I think it's genuinely really interesting, especially because Levine, again, is effective for more areas of the floor. Then DeRozan, you don't need a three there, but if Levine gets room, he can take that three. He can pull it. So it did feel like DeRozan, I think, maybe maybe it's a different play if he just sells that handoff a little bit more because the Knicks had the mildest bit of confusion on that switch. Right. But I think uh, just kind of how quickly the play ended up kind of going and it, it became easier for them. It, it was interesting to me, but I, I don't in general love this idea of like the, the action between those guys are too similar in size almost. I think for a play like that to work that late in a game uh, where the Knicks just, if they can execute a switch are in pretty good position to defend. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I think that if you had, you know, if you were running the exact same play, uh, with Vooch as if you like swap DeRozan and mm-hmm. Vooch then it gets a little tricky because if Vooch were to actually give the ball to Levine then the Knicks would have trapped and then Levine would have had to give it up you might not get a shot off there just wasn't a lot of time on the clock mm-hmm. so you know it can get a little dicey and also DeRozan off ball his man is just going to ignore him yeah. with three seconds to go like that's just what's going to happen probably and the floor might get a little bit cramped if there was a drive it's, it's something like that could happen and it would I, get I don't a little disagree. messed up but I, ironically the floor ended up being cramped which was the sure yeah, yeah it was i mean it's like there's like what three four seconds left i yeah. forget what was actually on the they clock had a and, little bit of time they had a little bit of time yeah yeah um but that was just an interesting thing that i noticed and it was really cool to see the bulls come back mm-hmm. and it was cool to see what did you think of that uh, you know, play what did I think about the the result or, or just the into all of it? Um, I mean, I liked it. I thought that it was uh, if executed a little bit better, it could have worked out. I wanted to mm-hmm. see Levine get a shot instead of DeRozan. Yeah. I was kind of like stamping my foot when he kept the ball. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I thought that you know, credit to the Knicks, credit to Taj Gibson, who played a hell of a game, uh, credit to RJ Barrett played pretty well. He had one righty in and out attacking Vooch on a drop and finished with the right. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what he needs to do. This is, you know, he's hey, trying to get into that top 100. Right, I see you, I mean, RJ Barrett. Well, we talked about him finishing at the rim. I mean, I think he's looked great to start the season. Yeah, I, I, I agree. He's looked pretty good. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. The Knicks are really interesting. You mentioned uh, our, our good friend, Chris Herring, his tweet, but he also wrote this really fantastic piece about the Knicks kind of um, really dramatically upping their three-point rate at a historic level. It's, and it's th- untibsian. It's frankly fun and great yeah, and like really good to see. And he has the piece. He's got Kemba, and Kemba, Kemba seems to have the green light, which is great on those pull-ups. Um you know, he diced up the Sixers the other night with that mm-hmm. pull-up. Um, didn't know why Doc Rivers didn't put Matisse Thibel on him, because when the Sixers played the Celtics all the, the past two years, Matisse Thibel <laughs> was just blocking every Kemba Walker pull-up from behind. That's neither here nor there. But uh, the Knicks are they're fun. I think they're going to be better than I thought. Um, and Nerland's Noel hasn't even really played yet, and he was really big for them last season. So 
they're a fun team. The, the Bulls are also fun. I thought they were going to win, frankly, when yeah. they started to storm back um, at the end. Caruso's uh, yeah. outstanding on that team. Oh, yeah. His, uh, I think it was with like 30, 40 seconds left. It was one of the Knicks' last he possessions. stonewalled his, Kemba. Yeah, yeah his on-ball defense on Kemba there was like, Kemba's, you know, Kemba's got the pull-up three. He doesn't have the the like the zip anymore that he used to yeah. on those late game plays where like not to take anything away from Caruso but he can be stopped in an isolation yeah. when I mean, everyone knows he's trying to score. Also sometimes you watch somebody guard, you know, a high pick and roll or a high ball screen whatever and you're like how do you really fight over a pick etc, you know, sometimes there's <laughs> such little you can do. Um sometimes someone just sets a good screen etc. But then you watch someone like Caruso and you see him fight through every screen, stay in front of his guy. It's it's incredible to watch. I mean, there's some guards who are really, really good at it. Him, Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I remember in that Celtics playoff series in the bubble, it was like incredible watching them, you know, how high they would pick up guards and fight over screens, et cetera. Like there's just some guys who do it and remind you that it is possible. And what it, what is that separation between, uh, you know, Solid defenders and great defenders, and I think Caruso's a great defender. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. So I want to talk for two seconds about um, the Warriors-Grizzlies game, which was also awesome. great. Great game. Uh, Without looking, I don't know if you have the box score in front of you. If you do, do not look at it. How many three-pointers did Steph Curry attempt in this game? Oh, God. He was piling them up. 16? 20. 
20. Yeah, he had like seven in the third quarter or something. He took 23s in 41 minutes. Uh, Just God bless Steph Curry. Uh, He is finished with 36 and eight. Uh, the gravity is the gravity. Everybody knows it. Uh, was really he had the uh, the Grizzlies just in fits trying to to chase him around at points th- throughout the game, off screens, backdoor. Uh, he's just you know I think like we're talking. I want to talk about Moran obviously because he's yeah. I think I, I agree one hundred percent with you that Moran is right now today. This will ebb and flow. But right now, today, I would say, if I was ranking the 10 best players in the world, John Morant's obviously on that list. He has to be. But, like, if Steph's going to be this good all year, which is totally, like, if he stays healthy, just kind of book it. Plausible, yeah. Like, 30, we're talking 30 points a game. Um, Right now, he's averaging 38 and 6 assists, Mm -hmm. uh, shooting 38% from deep. Uh, which just, is which is bad for him. It's the crazy. Which is bad part, for him. Yeah. It's on thirteen yeah. freaking yeah. attempts, like, yeah. and all of them, almost all of them, are like really tough shots. Yeah. But like, I don't know. What do you think? Like, is is Steph like? I don't know. I, I, like, are we underappreciating Steph? It's, is to he... me, to me, my takeaway from that was, and I wrote about this too because he's on my first week All NBA team, but. Shout out to Miles Bridges. I I can't believe you texted me to ask. I know. I told you Miles Bridges, so, and then you that leave was Miles the same Bridges night. Up. That was the same night Barnes hit the game winner against the Suns, okay. and that right. put Barnes right. over the top for me. Bridges, uh, it's been one week, but he tailed off after the back-to-back thirty-point games to start the season. Uh, he's been great. He, you know, I apologized to him in the start of that section, but. Uh, you know, Barnes hit that game winner, and I was like, nah, I got him. Well, I wanted to talk about Harrison Barnes, too. Maybe I'll bring him up again later. We'll, talk, we'll um, bring him up when we talk about the Suns. Yes. I mean, the, yeah, the Suns, yeah. So, to me, the, what's interesting about Curry is, first of all, you know, I know Warrior sort of was, like, rightfully pretty upset last year when Steve Kerr was like, we're not chasing wins right now. And it felt like at the start of the season, they were really committed to bringing along Wiseman. And this year, it just feels like, they are playing more of a win now rotation, right? They're getting a good dollar in there. I love the minutes they're getting from Otto Porter, the steal, Nemanja Bielitsa. Uh Damian Lee was hitting big shots last night. Uh, Kerr kind of drew up uh, a game winner for him. I, I liked that idea. Uh, Almost Jordan, went in. Yeah, I mean, you can, it's hard to miss closer than he missed. Uh, that ball was in and out. Jordan Poole was giving him good minutes, so – I like their rotation a lot this year. It feels like they're just more aggressive, for lack of a better phrase, like more aggressive uh, in trying to win. And to me, what's – I mean, if Steph is keeping the Warriors ahead of schedule, they're 4-1. and one. They've looked like one of the more frisky teams in the league, right? Like, not that anyone has separated themselves, I think, this early in the season, but, I mean, does anyone in the West look better than the Warriors or the Jazz? And then who? Right, the Warriors are right at the top of that next class. The, war- the Warriors look good. It's very early, but right. they could be adding Clay Thompson. And exactly, we don't know what Clay and that, looks and, like. And that's my point: is if Steph's keeping them ahead of schedule, let's say Clay comes back in late December. I mean, if they're four and one without him, you know they can continue to play well without him. Like that gives them that makes Clay not a luxury. Like they need him to win a title, but 
it means Clay can take two months to settle into his role. And now, now I think they're a definite contender if, if that's the case. So I just think it's impressive that Steph is just so good that he is basically for, yeah, he's keeping them ahead of schedule. Like he's, he's creating an environment for when clay to return, like there's going to be not a lot of pressure on clay to be great right away. And I think that all of this just creates a domino effect that we're just looking at another warriors title, Mike. Yeah. So, so Rowan, I, we literally, as we're recording this, this is frankly bizarre. We literally just got an email with the subject head, Warriors and Iguodala. So I'm going to read this email. You do not have, uh, you have not seen this email. No. Um, But it comes in from David, and I'm going to read it, and then it kind of touches on a little bit of what we've been talking about, but I want you to address it on the fly because you're such a brilliant mind, and I know you can handle it. So David writes... Okay, I'm starting to feel like the national media, I love when when emails start this way, by the way. That's us. So great. Is completely overlooking how important Andre Iguodala was to the peak Warriors. As a Cavs fan, he was always the cheat code for the Warriors, overqualified for his role in the regular season, but absolutely essential to their success in the playoffs. He could do whatever they needed whenever they needed it, from defense to moving the ball to scoring in transition, etc., Am I missing something? Why does everyone assume that Clay coming back vaults the Warriors into contention when the younger Iguodala spot is now filled by Andrew Wiggins? Iguodala was on every title-winning team, so it's not like they're pro- they've proven that they can win without him. And now he's too old to be what he was. What gives? Am I overrating his contribution? Love the show. All the best from Dave. Well, first of all, I don't know if that Andre Iguodala is overlooked by the national media when he won finals MVP. Like I don't, I, I, I'm a little bit, a little bit. Like I don't think he was ever overlooked during those runs. I mean, I think most people would agree. Like his presence and Draymond's are what kind of unlocked the death lineup. Like that only works because of two guys like them, right? Um, I think so- real quick, real quick. Sorry to cut you off for a while. No. Um, I think what he's saying, and this is sometimes I when I th- think about the Warriors, this is what I think about. It's like. We compare the Warriors so often to what they used to be, as a po- which was the, one of the best teams of all time, mm-hmm. to what they are now, and we don't look at like the field. We don't look at, um, you know, he's mentioning the Cavs when LeBron was a few years younger, when they had Kyrie, when they had Kevin Love, when they were like extremely like that team. If if plopped in today's NBA, would be by far the favorite, I think. Um, if Kyrie Irving was playing basketball. Um, But we don't just like look at the Warriors um, as what they are relative to the competition right now and what Steph is right now versus what he used to be and some contributions from some younger guys and just, um, I don't know, it's a really interesting way to kind of look at it because the whole league has shifted because of what the Warriors used to be like all these other teams play small now and the Warriors still have Draymond at the five that they're willing to go to and last night they played Iguodala and Otto Porter as their front court for a stretch and it was kind of successful but like I don't know it's 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 just a fascinating thing to think about when we try to see how good this team is now versus um 
like tr- the the there should be more hesitancy to compare them to what they were. I guess is what I'm trying no, to say. No, that, that's a good point. I do think it's fair to bring up like they're not just going to hit the ground running when Clay comes back because of someone like Iguodala, who's in a way different place in his career than when he used to be. Another thing that to me that's fascinating about the Warriors and a story that I'm I'm hoping to do at some point is they were famous for the death lineup, right? Like they had this thing that they would throw on you that nobody had an answer for. Mm -hmm. And it feels like in my mind, I'm always looking at how can they recreate it? And now, I mean, now they can literally do it by the end of the season. They can, they can throw out the old, you know, death lineup. Uh, um, I guess, you know, the Wiggins in place for Harrison Barnes, but it almost feels like they aren't necessarily trying to recreate that. It, it, it almost feels like they're not trying to be the exact team who they used to be, right? They play the same way, though, with Steph. But the thing yes. is, the thing is that, and I think is potentially their fatal flaw, or we'll see what Clay does when Clay comes back. But if you just look real quick at the on offs for this team, um, not even to mention when Wiseman gets back, how that kind mm-hmm. of really confuses things potentially but Steph Curry on the court Golden State's offensive rating is 112 which is fine that's like a pretty okay not terrible number um when he's off the floor it's (laughs) 91.1 so there's a 20.9 point difference and they just can't score can't do anything offensively um when he's not on the floor and they need to figure that out in my opinion if they want to be if they want to get through four playoff series so there's a lot a lot of time between now and then but the Warriors are very fascinating Nemanja Bialica is maybe the sixth man of the year favorite (laughs) over here (laughs) Uh, I would like to see Wiseman get a chance to just run a ton of pick and rolls with Jordan Poole off the bench once this team is fully healthy that's like it's like the uh, like going up against Pedro Martinez's ninety nine mile an hour fastball, and then Tim Wakefield comes out of the bullpen and he's throwing the knuckle. That's like <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's a, it's I do think Steph, two different styles. I, I, I haven't looked at the like the the full numbers, but I do think Steph's running a a better amount of pick and rolls this year, which is a, I think a good development. I mean, the, they need a healthy balance there. But they've sometimes shied away from it too much, or waited until a super high leverage moment like when they're trying to eliminate you, the rockets you um, love you love the steph steph in the pick and roll you were you, he's you just so, so good at it it's impossible to defend yes um, I, he's he's impossible to defend off the ball though to be fair uh, but no, yes without a doubt without a doubt and that's what i'm saying is I'm, I'm not saying that you know, all his screen setting and everything, like the complete opposite of Russell Westbrook and James Harden in terms of what he's willing to do off the ball. Um, and I don't, I'm not even trying to tell him to stop that. I'm just saying a healthy balance, a harmony between the two, I think would make everyone happy. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Okay, we're going to jump into the emails now because we're a little behind here because we spent way <laughs> too much time talking about Terminator and Terminator 2 at the top. But that's okay because that was a wonderful story yeah. and I do not chagrin you, Rohan, for sharing. Um, our first email comes from Lucas who writes... Hey, guys, I did not know that Michael, Chris, and I are all 34 years old. While listening to The Low Post and to your last episode, I was a bit surprised that American gladiators were a thing when you were that young. Then I realized that Europe is always a few years behind compared to the United States. I was 11 or 12 when I watched American gladiators on German TV. My favorite memory is that on The Simpsons... Milhouse's mother dated one of the American gladiators in an episode and later cheated on him with another gladiator. Good old times. Um, God bless you, Lucas, for really bringing back some wonderful memories. Um, However, how dare Rohan make fun of Chris in your private chat group? Someone who hasn't seen Goodfellas should back off here. And I don't remember, but didn't Rohan also not see White Men Can't Jump? (laughs) Anyway, after a few games, who do you guys think will be the steal of the 2021 draft in a few years? Hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. How is he going to come in hot with this email about American gladiators and growing up as a little boy in Germany, watching The Simpsons, and now he's going to try to hit us with a draft question? First of all, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Goodfellas, okay? Have you seen Dilse, okay? Have you seen the Cheya Cheya music video even? All right, let's not uh, talk about movies from our childhood that the other one has not seen, okay, Lucas? I will make fun of Chris Herring in our group chat as much as I want to, <laughs> as long as he keeps lying about his age. <laughs> okay, um, trying to bring it back uh, to the question at hand, which I love. I love this question actually because the rookie class is fuego. It is incredible. Yeah, they're balling. Like there are, there are like. I mean, I don't really know. I'm trying to think of like disappointments so far out the jump, and there's a couple off the top, man. But a vast majority of the rookies are just like they're like we're here and we're very good. Um, so, but specifically talking about steals, like well, who? You, I, I'm sorry, I cut you off before you actually read Lucas's question. <laughs> okay, 
So, so Lucas's question at the at the, the end was, who do you think will be the steal of mm. the 2021 draft in a few years? Um, I know you you just like you were seeing red as I was reading the end of yeah. that email, and so I understand. But going back to it, um, can I name a few? Can I name a few guys please, that please, please. were drafted? Because like you know, Kate Cunningham hasn't played a game yet. Uh, Jalen Green selected second. Looks. He looks like he's going to be good. Like, I got nothing wrong to say about Jalen Green. Uh, when he's in his prime, the athleticism is just, like, off the charts. He's already got the pull-up three down. He's already creating space. So he's he's interesting. Number three, uh, Evan Mobley is just, like, already my favorite player in the NBA. And just, I know he's not already a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, but maybe he should be. Uh, I There's really, like... You can see that in a few years, once he gets a little bit stronger, like there's some plays where guys will guys are backing him down and he's given up space in the post, and that's really been his only weakness so far defensively that I that I can observe. Um, once he gets there, I, I don't know, I don't know who's a better going to be a better, more useful, smarter, um, individual or team defender. Frankly, in the league, that, that I mean, that's this guy's ceiling, and his coach has already compared him to Kevin Garnett, which, as everyone listening to this podcast knows, is just like that's that's both blasphemous and just a sign that uh, the ceiling is is in the clouds right now for him. So, I love Evan Mobley. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Cavs later, so I don't want don't to step on this too much, even though I just have stomped all over it. Um, but him at three, I'm just like. You know, if you're the Pistons, I'm not saying I, I don't know what's going on with Cade Cunningham, how good he's going to be. Everyone said he was, you know, a, potentially a transformational franchise player, but from what I've seen from Evan Mobley and how the Cavs have played with him, Jared Allen, and Larry Markkinen, with uh, you know incredible defensive rating with those three on the floor, playing really good teams so far, I, I'm just like blown away by Mobley. And if you get him at three, that's like a that's a steal. No, I think he's been incredible. If if I had written a story that was like the first week all defense team, I think he has to be on there. Just what he's done. I mean, the Cavs have racked up some good wins early in the season. I know we're going to talk about them, so I don't want to dwell on it either. But you have you you brought up some of their defensive stats with him on the floor in a story you wrote this week, and they've been really really good. I wanted to talk about Scotty Barnes because I really like him. And I think he was a little bit of a question mark. How is he going to fit in? You know, is he going to be able to score, et cetera, in the NBA? He just immediately looks like he belongs on an NBA floor. Like there are some guys who, when they step on the court, you can tell they're rookies. Like Bones Highland looks tiny. You can tell he's a rookie. You can tell he still needs to fill out into his body. You know, I like grow Bones. a little bit. I love Bones. I love Bones. Malone the other night was playing him with uh, Jokic. He was like, all right, let me try something. Let's see how it goes. I love I love Bones, and I hope he's able to crack that rotation. Like, Scotty Barnes just immediately looks like he belongs. And, you know, the Raptors have not been very good to start the season. They can't really score. I just think about when this team gets Pascal Siakam back, I think they're going to be really good. Like, I really like the players they have. I mean, if part of that, you know, is going to – depend on Siakam looking a lot closer to who he was pre-bubble than who he was, you know, in the bubble in last season, Mm -hmm. which, you know, there are reasons why people maybe struggled in those environments. But, I mean, you're just slotting Barnes on the perimeter there. You put him next to Ananobi and Siakam, I think you have the potential for, like, a absolutely killer 
a defensive team of Van Vliet at guard. I mean, I think Precious Chew has looked pretty good in Toronto. Like, they haven't been good so far, but I, I just really like Barnes, and I think he's going to be such a great building block. He fits in so nicely on that team, and I think, you know, he obviously has not had kind of, I think, the the individual moments or, like, the those things that you can, like, point to that, that Mobley has so far. But what I just love about Barnes is I think that it looks to be, I think, a great marriage of, you know, player and opportunity and fit. And I, I love those kinds of selections where I think a guy just finds the right home kind of immediately. So I'm, I'm just really excited to see kind of how his season uh, plays out in Toronto, especially if Siakam comes back healthy. Uh, Scotty Barnes, you know, I mean, I, yeah, he looks, uh, he obviously looks tremendous defensively, fits in right away. Um, the versatility is there. The intelligence is there. Offensively, his aggression um, is is nice to see. Like, he's not he's not afraid out there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his It sounds shots... silly, but he, like, he just looks like an NBA player already. You know what I mean? He doesn't look lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think he's, what's he averaging? He's averaging 17 a night. Yeah. And the three ball is not falling, but that's, that's okay. Like, he's... I like him a lot. I wouldn't call him a. Is he a steal at four? I, I guess so because a, I mean he's not necessarily a steal, but I, I think I just think he has a a chance to make a bigger impact. You know, early well, let's say, in his let's career. Say, let, let, let's go back and just think about real quick the. Um, a lot of mock drafts had Jalen Suggs going mm. for. I thought that that was, um, like. When I was watching the draft, I was a little surprised that Suggs did not go for it because mm-hmm. leading up to it, it was he he was one of the it was like Cunningham, Green, Mobley, Suggs. Those were like the the right. four names that you really heard a lot, and then it was going to be an interesting fall. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely classify Scotty Barnes as a steal because it's very 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 early. Suggs is shooting twenty eight percent from the floor, and um, doesn't look like the best rookie on his own team. And my next steal is Franz Wagner, who <laughs> is, he's just, he's just like, he's really good. He's going to have a really good NBA career. I don't know how many all-star games he's going to make, but <laughs> he plays, I mean, he, he's got size, he can shoot, um, really like nifty passer as well. Uh, really sees the floor very well. Um, not afraid to mix it like, up. Not afraid to mix not, it up. He's not afraid to mix it up. So I, I just liked that pick, and I, you know, I, my sample size with these guys is just so small. Of course. Um, but I liked that for I like that for them. Um, I for can't Orlando. really get over the Wagner brothers being on the same team. It, it's just it's like a it's like a Disney movie. It's like oh, we put like the two tall German kids on the same team. Like this is a I don't know. There's some kind of the movie's called like foreign exchange and it's like two tall brothers like are playing on the, the Disney, literally the Disney team, the Orlando magic. Um, it, it, their, just... their mother was interviewed during a magic game recently. I think it was magic Hornets and it was just a great interview. And she's like a freelance journalist in Germany. And I'm like, you're like, what is even happening? Okay, so uh, a couple other steals. Uh, Chris Duarte 
at their Duarte, dude, Duarte's a gunner, man. Yeah, he's 24 years old, which is fine. <laughs> I am kind of, frankly... This, like, we're not ageist on this podcast? Not at all. Um, he's as old as Chris Herring, so, <laughs> which is just... It's incredible production that we've seen from him. I mean, he leads all rookies with 18 and a half points a game. Takes a lot of really semi-ridiculous shots. Um, not the he's greatest launching. decision maker. But it's like... He's he's not inefficient so far, um, and I love that he's, he's playing just like, for Rick Carlisle. I love that he's playing for Rick Carlisle. It's very cool that um, like Rick Carlisle is not does not have a tight leash on him either, yeah. and it's just like okay, we need this kind of this spunk mm-hmm. on our team. Frankly, uh, the Pacers. I haven't. I, I watched a couple of their their first two games. I haven't checked in on them in a minute, but uh, Duarte is just a. I think that that's a that safely qualifies as a steal he's just gonna be a solid maybe i, even above I really hope the pacers player. get fully healthy at some point because i think they have a really talented roster uh and i, I just agree. I need to see I mean, we haven't seen tj warren in so long now lavert cares uh, again yeah and i mean you put brogdon lavert warren sabonis you got duarte coming off the bench um holiday i like that they just have a good team so there are a lot of rookies, I guess is the point here. Yes. And like Josh Giddy, Davion Mitchell. I mean, we can just go on hey, and on. Giddy in that Lakers game. Uh, There's a great story I saw uh, some of the Thunders, Thunder reporters tweeting out. Shout out to Joe Moscato down there. But just Shea Gilgis Alexander, like turning over a little bit to let Josh Giddy run that offense down the stretch of that Lakers comeback. Um, just the buy-in that coaching staff has from Shea, I think is really cool. Um, yeah, they're going to be great. When you spoke about David Mitchell, um, on our, on our YouTube show, Swisher Brick, uh, this week and just his defense, I, I, I might bring up the Kings later, so I'll save that. But yeah, just a lot of, I love just to see rookies who can find a role, like find a way to make an impact, like even if the, the scoring is not all there yet, et cetera, like just find a way to affect the game. And that's cool. Yeah. So shout out to all of them. Okay. We have an email from Adam who writes, hello, open floor podcast. Please help. Are the Cleveland Cavaliers actually good? <laughs> Jared Allen looks good. Evan Mobley looks really good. Lowry Markinen looks good. And some combination of Rubio, Sexton, Garland looks solid as well. Oh, yeah, and Kevin Love looks like he is trying. <laughs> Please confirm that it is early and none of the above statements are real. Thanks. Uh, great email, Adam. Appreciate you uh, you chiming in here. I think just right off the top, this is a top three league pass team for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching. I'm just watching. I'm all in. I'm just watching all their games. I want to see Evan Mobley. I love Garland. Um, I'm increasingly down on Sexton and I think Ooh. his his situation is really interesting because he did not sign the extension mm-hmm. and I I wonder um, how much he will be going outside of the offense or what's best for the team for his own statistics uh, we will see I'll, I'll be monitoring that as um, the Cavaliers correspondent <laughs> open floor Cavaliers correspondent for this entire season but you know, I mentioned earlier Evan Mobley 
um, as a, you know, just a tenacious defender. Honestly, if I had like a vote, though, for defensive player of the year, Jared Allen would be on my ballot so soon in this season. I know that's a ridiculous thing to say, but he is the way he is. Forget about like the rim protection and everything that he's known for, but like he's switching out on guys and just stifling them. Like, moving his feet, using his length, not getting beat on blow-bys. When he does get beat on blow-bys, he's contesting from behind, blocking shots off the backboard. Um, I I love Jared Allen. I love I mean, the Mobley-Allen mm-hmm. combination in you the front wrote, court. You wrote about this uh, in your piece this week on uh, 10 Trends from early in the season, but I believe it was the Markkinen-Allen-Mobley front court has a 98 defensive rating. I, I think and, that's yeah. Cleveland allowed the Clippers to score seventy nine points in a basketball game, and I, I think on the road. I think that speaks frankly more to two of those guys, Mobley and Allen. Um, not that marketing has been bad, and, and but I, it's funny because I think when they drafted Mobley, I was a little bit like, "How is this going to work? Like they want to sign Allen to this big extension? Are these two guys going to make sense together long term? The league plays small, etc." And it's just been outstanding to watch them work. It's been outstanding to watch them work. They're really good. I'm with you. It's a fun team. Are they good? I like the email ass. I think they're I think they're going to be competitive. Can they make the plan? Not, Can they make the plan? Can they make the plan? You know, if this team was happening last year, I'd say yes. This year, the East, I don't know. The East is really deep this year. Um, you have that. You have the Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, Miami, Boston tier. Then you have Washington, Chicago, Charlotte. We both think Indiana could be good if they ever get healthy. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned – did I mention Washington? I, maybe I did already. Uh, I haven't said Atlanta yet. Um, there's also the Knicks. So I hesitate to say they can They can make the plan. I just wouldn't bet on it just because there's – such a log jam in the East this year, mm-hmm. but I think they're going to be competitive night in and night out in a way that they have not been the last few years. So I think that that's fair. I mean, I would probably still be a little surprised if they did make the play. And I think that that would probably say more about another team's mm-hmm. failure than their success. But I quickly want to shout out, Ricky Rubio, the like ultimate floor raising presence. <laughs> yes. Everywhere he goes, man, they like, the arc teams of Ricky, just get better. The arc of Ricky Rubio's career is to make teams good enough to want to upgrade from him, which is sad. But also, like he he shows teams what they can be with a good player in his position, and they're like, but "What if we got a slightly better one?" And then they really take off. But yes, Ricky Rubio. Is like you know he's just kind of that he's just that person in your life that shows you what you can have you know and that's important <laughs> and then you discard them yeah yeah <laughs> um no but like w- one thing I'm watching and in particular like Rubio and Kevin Love and how JB Bickerstaff is kind of trying to tether those two together which I love and like. As the emailer points out, love is engaged, mm-hmm. and love, love offensively, 
or just love in general when he's trying. Like, offensively, he, you know, they're trying to get him in the post on in mismatches. That's like his number one, <clears throat> it seems to be the number one way that they're really utilizing him, which is smart because he's still, he's just like, a, he's got that old man game down there and he can still back a smaller dude down, get to the hook, draw fouls, um, still spaces really well. And when he's with Rubio, it just it's it's really working. Like the offense isn't. I think generally this team's offense is a little mucky, but defensively they're good. And when they have, when they can like squeak out points through possessions where you know Love will draw two and then kick to Lowry for three or something like that, and just get those easy simple buckets. That's really just really beneficial for them um, in any basketball game right now. So I I just. I like a lot of what I'm seeing, um, minus Sexton, who uh, was benched. I forget for which game in crunch time that they won. But Garland, I, I I just have always loved Garland, the way he's played, the deep threes, the pull-up threes. I think anyone who can do that at a very good clip is just invaluable in today's league, and he's kind of the next man up for that type of, that, that type of player. Um and Lowry's playing with like physicality. He's not just like drifting along the mm. perimeter. I mean, he's he's playing. It's weird to say this. He's playing kind of like how the the Mavs need to need KP to play, um, which isn't great because KP's on a max and Lowry's getting paid. <laughs> but he's getting paid, and that's kind of the role that they need from him right now, though. And so he's, I think he's doing a pretty good job. Um, so we'll definitely be keeping an eye on this team, and I I, I think they're good. I. Don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but yeah. they're good and they're on the right track. So shout out to yeah. Cleveland. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.
Okay, this is our last email. Comes in from Anthony. Anthony's upset. He writes, I get that the Suns have a much despised owner <laughs> and play in a mid-level market, but why was there zero coverage of them in your conference preview? We all know that wouldn't have been the case if the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, or Warriors had found a way to win the West last year. And the team got better in the offseason by adding Landry Shamit and JaVale McGee. Yes, there was a lot of luck involved in last year's run, yet that angle also gets overplayed. What exactly does the national media have against the Suns? First it's of utterly all, confounding. Uh, <laughs> first of What's all, like, this... Okay, no, finish, finish. Okay, Anthony finishes. It's utterly confounding as a fan. So my question to you, Rowan, is obviously just, you know, what is your reaction to Phoenix's start? And does the emailer have a point here in our disrespect for Phoenix or or, or no? I want to know if the emailer picked up the national media, a.k.a. Sports Illustrated, a.k.a. me, writing a glowing story about James Jones and the Suns uh, at the start of the playoffs. You know, that was the national media right there. Uh, talking about how great of a job the Suns have done. Um, you know, why didn't we talk about them in the conference review? Because they had an incredibly static offseason. That's really what it comes down to. They're, uh, they're boring. They're a, it was boring. A known, yeah, they're a known entity. They didn't make any big changes. It was in out fact, of respect. Yeah, it Frank, really frankly. was, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, they're, the Lakers are more interesting simply because they did more stuff, and none of us think it's going to work. Um you know, the Warriors have Clay Thompson coming back. Uh, they're just, you know, the Nuggets are missing Jamal Murray, like, et cetera. Like, I think we, we didn't talk about the Suns because we know what they are. We know what they can be in the playoffs. Uh, it, they just have a very solid roster. I'm not too worried about their start. I think the Suns, I mean. You aren't? You aren't worried? Here's the thing. Now, this isn't. This isn't an apples to apples comparison. I think Phoenix started something like eight and eight last season and then went on like a 30 and eight run. Like they're starting five with Jay Crowder at a negative net rating, you know, for the first quarter of the season. I mean, it should be a little bit different now, now that they have the continuity, now that they, they have everyone there. I do think it's fair to wonder like the idea that Aiton's contract situation can have no effect on his mindset or, you know, his approach mentally, not that he's dogging it or anything, but if maybe he's legitimately upset, I know a lot of people who perform differently at work when they're upset. I mean, I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not, I mean, one of their losses was, you know, on a King's buzzer beater. Um, They, I thought their win over the Lakers was nice. I'm not too worried about them because I still think they're built really well for the playoffs. So I'm, I'm not, panicking at all about their start a couple numbers that we should mention though um they are 27th first of all they're, they're one and three they're 27th in net rating and getting outscored by 9.5 points per 100 possessions they are 29th in defense uh only the orlando magic have a worse defense and they are 20th in offensive rating um and you know talking about their lineups really quick which is a very important part of this the starting five which i wrote about during the playoff run and was critical to their success the offensive rating there with chris paul crowder 
uh, Devin Booker, Aiton, and Bridges on the floor in 80 minutes, 99.4 offensive rating. Getting outscored by 22.5 points per 100 possessions, a 121.9 defensive rating. That is, um, I know it's only 80 minutes, and I know that they, you know, they lost at the buzzer to the Kings. But if you watch that game, they were like they had to like mm-hmm. scramble back. They were down 13 with a few minutes to go um, in the fourth. I don't, I don't know. Like I. I, I, I think I'm a little – I'm not saying – again, I'm not hitting the panic button on this I, team I, yet. I think it's fair to have an eyebrow raised. I think if it's 10 games into the season and they still look that bad, then I might be full-blown like what's going on with the Suns. We need to start a dialogue Charles Barkley meme. But I'll <laughs> give them a four-game scuffle, uh, especially you know, coming off – a finals trip, like I could see the defensive effort not being there or the attention maybe not being there, but I'm just, you know how I feel about Chris Paul. I think they have a talented team. I think Monty Williams is the right coach for that group. I'm just not, I think it's hard to be like, hey, whoa, okay, get it together. But I'm not, I'm not even at the level of concern yet. I'm more like, huh, that's pretty interesting. You were the, the Russell, the Russell exactly. Westbrook. Meme. Before okay, we go, fair. before we go, can I throw a fake trade at you? Does it involve the the Suns? No. Okay, I have one quick random okay, point please, to make, and then please. and this actually this this has to do with watching the Suns mm-hmm. Kings game because first of all, I know I gave you crap for not having Bridges Miles Bridges on your team, but. Harrison Barnes has been better from the start. So shout out to you for sticking to your guns and not listening to me. But um, I really wanted to quickly point out that De'Aaron Fox just, like, I don't know what's going on, but he just, like, isn't, I don't know if he's in in in, in bad shape coming mm-hmm. into the season or maybe there's a lingering offseason injury that I'm unaware of that is is, is kind of gone over my head or it's not a bit on my radar but he kind of just looks like disinterested on the defensive end he's jogging back in transition he's just dying on screens in a way that uh you didn't really see too much from him earlier in his career and the shot the shot is not falling the acceleration he has it when he wants to use it but he's just like not using it as much he's turning the ball over like crazy on drives um I don't know. I just wanted to point that out here. It's something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. I wrote about it. Um, he's one of you know he's one of my favorite players to watch. So it's just a little bit been a yeah. little bit disappointing um, for him. And and I think the Kings can be good as we said in previous episodes before the no, season I, began. I, and- I wrote about it's funny. I wrote about the Kings a little bit too when I was writing about Harrison Barnes today. Where it's like the Kings should be the Grizzlies. I mean, you look at those rosters on paper. I don't think the Grizzlies scream out to you as a way more talented team. I mean, we've talked about this on many pods now. Like, we like so many of the players on the Kings individually, whether it's mm-hmm. Buddy Heald, now they have Davion Mitchell, they have Tyrese Halliburton, they have Richon Holmes, Barnes, Fox. Like, that's a talented team. Like, they, this is a, an organization that needs to be figuring it out. And it says they can – seems like they can never get everyone on the same page at the same time. Everyone can't be thriving at the same time. Um Fox is young enough that I think he's going to be okay. I mean, I think he could have easily been an all-star last season. He's really good. 
But that's what's weird to me about this team is it feels like at any moment they could either take off or at any moment they could blow it up, which brings me to my fake trade, Michael. Okay. Okay. So here's something that I think is not getting discussed enough in the Ben Simmons saga is that I think the Sixers were very close to being in the NBA Finals last year, okay? I understand they went out in the second round, but you're talking about they lost a seven-game series when their second-best player was not shooting during the fourth quarter, like was passing up open dunks. Like if they had a replacement-level player for Ben Simmons in some of those games, that might have been a huge – that might have made a huge difference for them. And that's not to take away what he did defensively, but that's how much of a minus he was on offense. Mm-hmm. And I understand why Daryl Morey just doesn't want to cut bait. They don't want to set a precedent. It's a complicated situation. I get that. But I'm looking at it like you have someone in Embiid who on any given night can be the best player in basketball. I think that he's he's got the knee soreness. I think at times he's looked good with the double teams this season. I I generally like the way he plays and is playing now. To the point where I'm like, if you're the Sixers, why? And I know we've talked about the Simmons thing at time, but it just is crazy to me that they're like wanting to dig their their feet into the sand, they're, you know, and and have this hardline stance when if they trade Simmons for v- valuable players, I don't think you need Embiid is like Embiid's a unique superstar, and I don't think you need a a classic second star around him for you to have a title team because of how big of a mismatch he is for the rest of the league, which brings me to my fake trade, which is Ben Simmons for Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell. Let me tell you something right now. Um, The Kings would never. Okay. Okay. How about this? I hope they would never do that, but yeah, I I just don't. What about Ben Simmons? For Harrison Barnes and Marvin Bagley. That's a little more interesting, except I'm kind of like, okay, that is that is more interesting. It, is ba- is Bagley going to contribute in a playoff series? If you're the, I if mean, you're the Sixers, I think, that's the I question. Think, there, you got to. I think Bagley. I mean, we know Simmons is not <laughs> um, right. So you're you're almost getting like you're adding to zero is the way I'm looking at it. Like they don't even have Ben Simmons on the team right now. So just getting someone like Barnes in there is already a big boost. And then you get someone like Bagley, who I think can at least I mean, their bench lineups have been kind of rough to watch. And Doc for some reason loves to throw out these hockey line shifts where he's playing all five of the bench guys. I mean, I would I would give Bagley some time in those groups. Sure, why not? Like I you know, I, I think you can bring him along. You don't have to play him huge minutes, but I think just by getting Barnes, you've already made a huge upgrade to your team. I know I feel like I harp on Harrison Barnes a lot. I just think that he's the kind of guy that I think people are maybe too focused on the missed threes in the 2016 finals. But to me, you put him on the right team in the right situation. I'm not saying he's the difference between a title and no title. But I think he can have a huge impact on your playoff fortunes in the right situation. I mean, you're talking about making him a third or fourth option on a really good team. I think he can have a really big impact in that role. Again. I think he would help. He would make them better. 
I also think that if you do trade Simmons, when you do trade Simmons, you absolutely need to get back some playmaking. That's just it just has to happen. That's not Harrison Barnes, really. So that's, that's the one because when you just look at the roster, like their offense has been. They need really a passer. Good. They need a passer. Right. They need someone to set like Tobias Harris is he can create for himself for sure. Seth Curry can do it a little bit. Danny Green cannot. Um, and I think Embiid, you can still you can still unlock another level there with Embiid mm-hmm. if he has a more traditional pick and roll uh, playmaking partner who is borderline all star, can maybe be an all star and a really on a really good team. Um and so Barnes helps. He'll help you, obviously, you know, your defensive versatility. He can, he'll be your starting four probably. And then you got to figure out, okay, who's Tobias Harris going to guard in a playoff series, which I'm just like thinking way too far ahead right now. I, mean, I no, apologize. I'm down there. I think Barnes can hang with some of these guys on the wing. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, he gives you length. Um, I mean, you're already having Tobias Harris. You're already seeing him like he's guarding Durant for them, et cetera. Like they're already putting him on important matchups. Sure. Yes, uh, that didn't go so well. But I mean, it, it doesn't go well for anybody. But I think they can survive Fair. defensively. I think they can survive defensively. Fair. Um, we're gonna. Okay. I think that the Ben Simmons fake trades are. Um, it's just a really tough, 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 tough thing not to crack right now and for forever. Sure. And we just want it to end. And um, it would be fun to watch him play basketball again because he is an enjoyable player um to see particularly on the defensive end particularly in transition uh yeah so we'll leave it there uh this was fun i'm i'm gonna go rewatch terminator one and terminator two right now there's been a huge void in my life and it's because i think you and i have not done a pod just me and you and like Two weeks. It's been a while. It's been a long time. It's been a minute. I know. I missed you. I missed you yeah, a lot. No, missed no. you dearly. I'm glad we glad we were able to not get this done finally. You know. Yeah. So thank you so much to our listeners once again. Please keep sending the emails in at openfloormail at gmail That's openfloormail at gmail Please, everyone, stay safe. Please, everyone, continue to enjoy this wonderful NBA season. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.